Judith Barcy was only 10 years old when her life was taken far too soon. She was known to be an intelligent, bubbly, and beautiful child. She had a bright future in front of her as an actress. She appeared in over 70 commercials and her filmography included titles such as The Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, and Jaws the Revenge. Her career was starting to take off, but Judith's home life was far, far from the happy childhood Judith deserved. Hi, true crime fans. You're tuning into Coffee, Murder, and Mystery, a true crime podcast where we discuss murder, mystery, and the supernatural. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Hi everyone, I'm your host, Melissa Lancaster, and please be advised this episode is not appropriate for children. Judith's parents, Joseph and Maria Barsi, were both Hungarian immigrants. Joseph was born in Hungary in 1932. He worked as a plumbing contractor and also played the banjo and fiddle. Joseph was abandoned by his father as a child. In Hungary, this is a big deal. Family values are very, very important socially. Because of this, Joseph was bullied as a child, and not just by his peers, but from his teachers as well. Joseph fled Hungary after the 1956 Soviet occupation. He was 19 and started to make a life of his own in France, marrying a woman who had also fled Hungary named Clara. Joseph and Clara had two children together, a son named Barna, and a daughter named Aggie. Joseph and his family relocated to New York in 1964. But Joseph's drinking had become a problem, and so had abuse in the household. Clara took the children and fled the home after just five years of living in New York, taking the children to start a new life in Arizona. Joseph tried to make amends with his family, but when he threw a cast-iron skillet at Clara, in a drunken rage, she filed for divorce. Joseph moved to California, and this is where Joseph would meet Judith's future mother, Maria. Maria was a server at a restaurant that Joseph would frequent. She was impressed by the Hungarian-American who always paid with $100 bills. Maria was also a divorced Hungarian-American who had fled Hungary's communist rule. As a child, Maria had suffered psychological and physical abuse at the hand of her father, so sadly you could say that she had been groomed to take abuse from a partner. The couple weren't married long when Maria became pregnant, and little Jewith Barsi entered the world on June 6, 1978. And when I say little Judith, I'm being literal. When Judith was age 10, she was only 3 foot 8. The average height for a girl this age is somewhere around four and a half foot tall. Judith was receiving hormone injections at UCLA to encourage growth. Because of her small size, they had nicknamed her Little One. Maria had dreams for Judith. They were for Judith to have fame. She started preparing and training her daughter for a life in Hollywood when Judith was just five years old. She did this by teaching her to have good posture be poised, to be well-spoken, and train her voice. 
And this paid off pretty quickly when a camera crew discovered Judith at an ice rink. They felt she was so poised and so graceful on the ice that they knew she had talent right away. She was only five. It seems Judith started her career with commercials. I looked some up and she's an adorable little girl in commercials for things like Lay's Potato Chips, Donald Duck Orange Juice, there's a McDonald's commercial with Ronald McDonald, Fruit Wrinkles, Jif Peanut Butter, and there's a ton more. Judith was in over 70 commercials. As Judith's career grew, she made appearances on TV series such as Growing Pains, The Twilight Zone, Remington Steel, Punky Brewster, and there are lots of other sitcom titles as well. I'm not going to list them all for you here. She also did a few movies, like I said earlier. Judith was the voice of Ducky in The Land Before Time. She was the voice of Anne Marie in All Dogs Go to Heaven. And she played Thea in Jaws the Revenge. LA Times stated in 1988 that Judith's agent, Ruth Hansen, said Judith was a bubbly and happy little girl. They felt that her small size helped her success because since she was so small and looked so young, she could easily follow acting directions and play the part of someone much younger than herself. But the more successful Judith became, the more abusive her father became. You would think that having a daughter who brought in $100,000 a year, and remember, this is the 80s, that was a lot of money, at age 9 or 10 would be a relief to a family. But to Joseph, it wasn't. Whether he saw this as a threat to his manhood or as something that gave him less control over his family, we don't know. We can only speculate. But Joseph was an alcoholic with a bad, bad temper. Ruth Hansen realized that there was a problem when in 1988, Judith was scheduled for an audition, but started crying hysterically and couldn't speak. Ruth, like a caring agent, spoke to Judith's mother, Marie. She suggested Judith see a child psychologist, and Marie complied. According to Ruth Hansen, the psychologist concluded that Judith had suffered extreme verbal, mental, and emotional problems. The psychologist felt that the problems were extreme enough to make a report to Children's Services. I wish that this was the part of the story where I could say, Judith was removed from her home, her mother divorced her father, and they lived happily ever after. But I can't. Because when Maria told Children's Services that she had plans to divorce her husband, they closed the case. I personally wonder what the child services worker was told. I wonder if she was told that the pink TV in Judith's room was given to her by her father Joseph as a peace offering after he yanked her hair. Or if Judith was vocal with friends and family about her fear of going home because she knew her father wanted to kill her mother. I wonder if they were told the story of Judith getting a brand new kite and her father breaking it into as many pieces as he could when she went to play with it for the first time. Did they know about the time that Judith was getting ready for her trip to the Bahamas to film Jaws the Revenge 
and her father pulled a knife on her, saying goodbye by leaving the young girl with a threat, quoted as, if you decide not to come home, I'll cut your throat. When Judith returned home from filming Jaws, The Revenge, her home life had become so stressful, the sweet little girl had started plucking out her eyelashes and her cat's whiskers. A man that knew Joseph claimed Joseph had told him like 500 times he was going to kill his wife. The friend would try to calm Joseph and would say things like, you can't do that. What would happen to your little one? And Joseph's response was, I got to kill her too. Judith's mother Marie had even gone to police at a point. She alleged that Joseph was physically and verbally abusive. She even stated that Joseph had choked her once. But when police didn't find any evidence of the abuse, Marie decided not to press charges. In a strange and awful coincidence, Judith had played the part of Kimberly McDonald in a 1984 television miniseries, Fatal Vision. The movie's based on a true story about an army officer named Jeffrey Robert McDonald. He was convicted of murdering his pregnant wife and two daughters in 1970. And in the movie, Judith played one of the daughters. It was her first television role. After Judith's mother Maria went to the police, even though she didn't press charges, Joseph did make an effort and quit drinking. But the threats and abuse didn't stop. He continued to threaten Maria and Judith. He claimed repeatedly that he would slit their throats and burn down the house. Judith told a friend that her father was throwing pots and pans at her. He literally gave her a bloody nose that day. I wonder if Child Protective Services knew these stories and the history of household abuse when they closed the case at Maria's request. Because Maria did not leave Joseph as she said she would. She was too afraid of losing the family home and their belongings. And we know that this is part of the patterns of abuse. The abuser wants to make it seem impossible for the victims to leave. They manipulate their victims. But you have to leave. You have to get out of the unhealthy situation early. Because another thing we know about domestic violence is that it gets the most dangerous when the victim is trying to leave. That's why you need to get out before you're in too deep. Maria had rented an apartment for her and Judith, but was postponing moving in. And on July 25th, 1988, Judith was seen alive for one last time, riding her bike. It was that day Joseph fatally shot his wife and daughter, poured an accelerant onto their bodies, setting them aflame. Then he fatally shot himself, just as he had always planned to do. I know what you're all thinking, and this did lead to an investigation into the Child Protective Services case that had been closed so easily at Maria's request. The caseworker stated she felt confident that Maria had a plan of action and was taking care of the problem. Child Protective Services stated that this was a reminder that the children are their client and not their parents. 
It's sad that Judith and her mother were needlessly taken from this world too soon. Like so many other children, we will never get to see what Judith's potential could have led to. Judith and her mother are buried in adjoining plots in the Forest Lawn Memorial Park, and may they rest in peace. If you want to check out Murder House Flip Episode 4, the new owners of the home claim that the home is haunted by the spirit of Judith. And if you know anyone who you feel is in trouble due to domestic violence, or you are in trouble due to domestic violence, please, please be brave and call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 799 safe. That's 1-800-799-7233. Thanks for listening and remember, stay safe. Evil people are everywhere. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to Coffee, Murder, and Mystery. You can find us on the web at www.coffeemurderandmystery.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have a YouTube channel. All references for today's podcast are available in our show notes. If you enjoyed our show, please consider giving us an Apple Podcast five-star rating, sharing our show with your friends, and leaving a review. This helps us by allowing more people to find our show. If you would like to support our show with a financial contribution, please consider joining our Patreon. Joining our Patreon at the $5 level will give you a bonus episode on the second week of the month, as well as a second bonus episode on the fourth week of the month. Or go to buymeacoffee.com for a one-time contribution. We appreciate all of our listeners. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. Thank you so much for listening. The information provided in this podcast is solely of our opinion and based upon research that we have conducted via the internet. If you feel that we have represented something inaccurately or unfairly, you can send us an email at coffeemurdermystery at gmail.com. Thanks for your support.